Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Um, before we meet our very special guest here tonight, I want to play a little clip for you. Uh, I think it'll set the uh, the tone for not only our discussion, but also um, set our sights heading into next week. Monday, of course, is uh, Martin Luther King Day. There's going to be celebrations and events taking place across the United States and right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. We'll tell you in particular about one taking place in the city of Oakland. It is a MLK Day parade and celebration that will run from 9.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, there at um, the Carter Park, uh, Verdice Carter Park at 90 8th and Bancroft in Oakland. We'll have more details for you in a moment. But first, I want to turn back the clock. I want to turn back the clock to February the 4th of 1968. And as we listen to this portion of a sermon by Dr. Martin Luther King, um, it's, it's fascinating for a couple of reasons, um, not least of which is the fact that here is the man in the pulpit of his church delivering a sermon he entitled Drum Major Instinct, and he does so exactly 60 days, two months, 60 days to the date of his own assassination, the anniversary of which will mark in April of this year, April 4th to be precise. Here's Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Give a listen. Every now and then, I guess we all think realistically about that day when we will be victimized with what is life's final common denominator. That's something that we call death. We all think about it, and every now and then I think about my own death, and I think about my own funeral, and I don't think of it in a morbid sense. Every now and then I ask myself, what is it that I would want said? And I leave the word to you this morning. If any of you are around, when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. And every now and then I wonder what I want them to say. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other awards. That's not important. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. I'd like somebody to mention that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. I want you to say that day that I tried to be right on the wall question. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try to feed the hungry. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try in my life 
to clothe those who were naked. I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison. I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. I was a drum major for righteousness. And all of the other shallow things will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind. But I just want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word of song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian, if I can bring salvation to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Yes, Jesus, I want to be on your right or your left side, not for any selfish reason. I want to be on your right or your left side, not in terms of some political kingdom or ambition. But I just want to be there in love and in justice and in truth. Wow. There is Dr. Martin Luther King in a highlight of his sermon he entitled Drum Major Instinct, delivered February the 4th of 1968. His life, of course, will be taken exactly 60 days later in April of that same year. Joining me today in studio is Bishop Bob Jackson, senior pastor and founder of the Axeville Gospel Church in Oakland. Bishop Bob, always a pleasure to have you with us. Pleasure to be here with you, Greg. Thank you. Wow. Uh, I almost don't know where to begin um, in a sort of writing of one's own epitaph. You know, you look at a tombstone, it's generally marked by a name, a date of birth, a date of death, and then a line, a hash mark. The totality of our living and loving and serving is all represented just by a straight, short line. A dash. A dash. And clearly, in the case of Dr. King, he wanted that dash to be represented in a fashion that showed, and I'm quoting here, that he served, loved, tried to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those in prison, do justice, serve righteousness, promote peace, And most importantly, he said toward the end of that clip that his living would not be in vain as he tried to spread the message of the gospel and share salvation, the good news of Christ with others. And everything else, his awards, his honors, his Nobel Peace Prize, money, riches, fame, fortune, he called shallow things. Wow. That's so powerful. I mean, just listening to that just just made me... But chills up your spine, don't I? I'm telling you, it just it just did something to me. First, first of all, if you look at St. Matthew's Gospel, the 25th chapter, and around the 34th verse, he was actually coming right out of there. He says, uh, he said, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. 
so he was saying that I've, I've tried to do these things in my life. And, you know, being a Christian is more than just saying I'm a Christian. I mean, you need to have some works to prove that. And so Dr. Martin Luther King, I tell you, he, he when I look at him giving his life, Craig, he didn't have to give his life for poll taxes being, you know, taken off uh, the polls and and give his life for uh, social justice and, and, you know, racial justice. He didn't have to give his life. He could have went home to his wife and his children. He didn't have to go out and lead marches and all of that. He didn't have to do those things. But his dedication, it was like he was driven to do that. And I, I just believe that God, you know, we, we celebrate him as being a civil rights leader, but I don't think we celebrate him enough as being a man of God, a Christian, Baptist preacher, you know what I'm saying, who really, really stood for the principles of faith in the Word of God. There's clearly, if you look at his life and listen to his sermons, a, a fire in the belly, so to speak. Um, one that clearly compels him, that goes beyond any notion. We were talking off air. I'm sure there had to have been multiple times when his wife Coretta would have sat him down and said, Martin, do you know the risk you're putting your family under? Do you see what happens when they send police with rubber bullets and water cannon in response to your marches? Do you see the growing number of death threats, firebomb attacks against our church, death threats toward our children. Brother, can't you just go to work, preach a sermon, come home, and be done with it? There was clearly a fire in this man's belly, and I've got to believe, as he counted the cost, that he felt the cost, the risk, would be worth it all, based not on his desire to become famous or the recipient of a Nobel Peace Prize, all the things that he called shallow things, but rather based on an unquenchable thirst to serve his master, Jesus. And to serve the people and uh, and to try to eradicate injustices that were being perpetrated on the people. But, But isn't that desire to serve the people, isn't that really born out of his relationship with Christ. Listen, if he wasn't saved, if he wasn't a Christian, I doubt it very seriously if he would have been doing what he did. I doubt if he would be willing to give his life. I doubt it if he had been standing up, you know, for the rights of other people. And like you said, when he had everything going for himself, he was a Baptist pastor of the Dexter Baptist Church there. Uh, that's the one he pastored. He, he was a co-pastor with his dad at, at Ebenezer Baptist Church. And so he, he really had it made and married with four kids. He really had it made. He didn't, again, he didn't have to do what he did. And I'm sure, like you said, his wife talking to him, I'm sure she had many times. She says, Martin, please. I mean, you, and, and like you said, but I believe God was leading him to do what he did and to do the ultimate I mean, the ultimate sacrifice is your own life, you know, in the name of trying to help somebody else. If that's not Christian, I don't know what it is. So I just believe, God, that he was on a mission. And his mission was, Johnson signed the Civil Rights Bill in 1964. 
just because of Martin Luther King and what he stood for and the nonviolent uh, movement that he led uh, across the country. When Stokely Carmichael and some of the other radicals, H. Rap Brown, some of the other, they were hollering for violence and, and let's, let's, and he would not. You know what I'm saying? And I think it won over, you know, that somebody said he was acting like he was following Mahatma Gandhi. But I think he was following the Lord Jesus Christ and, and because he was a Christian. And that's why I think celebrating his birthday is so important for the church. You know what I'm saying? Not that he was the first African-American Christian that ever had that ever received a national holiday you know that everybody would would be able not to go to work and some people are having a slogan saying make it a day on and not a day off you know go find some things to do to do something for somebody to help somebody but i think above that is just to celebrate the life of a man that would be willing to give his life for injustices in this isn't that what the lord jesus did not only that but you know to even take it a, a, a step deeper Bishop Jackson, I, I think of the example that he set and the the words echo in the back of my mind off of pages of Scripture. Follow me, Paul said, as I follow Christ. Exactly. And if we cannot just celebrate but say, there's an example there. Yes. There's an example of many tremendous things and sacrifices, things that he did, sacrifices that he made all born out of one single driving force, and that, I believe, was his relationship with Christ. I believe that. I do. So if the call then is look to what he did as a demonstration of his relationship with the Lord, follow him as he followed Christ, and take account, examine ourselves, do we have the kind of walk do we have the kind of relationship that God wants us to have with him, that we do similar great things, not out of a desire of fame or fortune, maybe I can get a holiday named after me too and get my own Nobel Peace Prize, but rather do it because you so fiercely of the Lord that you want to be obedient to him and to be used of him in any way that that might mean. Now, to somebody that might mean leading a movement to change the laws to better the lives of others. Right. To somebody else, it might mean teaching a group of 30 kids in Sunday school every Sunday, yes. one of whom may grow up to become the next Billy Graham. Absolutely. Or, or simply preparing meals for your family and making sure that there's a safe environment for your kids, that in, as you do so, you will train up those children so that they will then follow in the ways of the Lord. So you don't have to be a radio talk show host. Don't have to be a great preacher. You just have to be obedient, and maybe that's the maybe that's the core message here. I tell you, if more Christians were obedient to the calling, as a matter of fact, I was studying that when the Word of God talks about many are called but few are chosen, and I was like, well, Lord, if you called them, why weren't they chosen? Mm. And so when I thought about it, it came to me because you were called to do a specific job, but you never you you never got around to doing it. Other things distracted you. Other things got in the way of you fulfilling that calling. So you weren't faithful to the call because I found out something, Craig. Every time the Lord calls you, he also tells you what he wants you to do. Mm -hmm. So I believe the Lord called Martin Luther King Jr. and told him what he wanted him to do. I don't think he was just navigating on his own because too many things happen in a positive manner that it would have taken a lifetime to try to put all of those things together. The march that he did in Washington and, and all of the uh, 
the the movements that he led. They, they, he was setting up to do the garbage men in Memphis when he was killed. The point of it is, he, he wouldn't have been able to rally. I mean, to have that kind of we we would call it charisma, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to attract the crowds of people. And then when you looked out there, it was all kind of different religions that was out there with him. It was the Catholic Church, the Baptist Church, the Pentecostal Church, the Lutheran Church. I mean, I've never seen a gathering of so many different denominations, you know, for following this man. And he was out front, him and Ralph Abernathy. So the point is, I'm saying he had to have a calling and God had to give him the purpose for his call. I think a lot of people are called, but they're not chosen because they didn't fulfill the purpose why God called them. And, and, and to take that a step further, I love that analogy because I would equate it to putting out a want ad, help wanted. Mm-hmm. We're looking to hire. We're, we're hiring a radio talk show host. So we're calling people to come. They are responding with their resumes. And then the hiring authority goes through. They look at the resumes and they say, okay, of all these applicants, who's qualified? And get this. Who is willing to accept? Oh boy, that's a job. That's it. That's it. Many are yes. called, few are chosen, and we think, well, the choosing is done on the other end. But a lot of that has to do with how we respond to that calling. Absolutely true. So, if God is calling you, the question is, are you answering the call? Somebody's listening right now, Craig. I believe that's running from their call right now. They they know they're called and they're called to do a specific mm-hmm. job, but they're not willing to do it. That's why he said, "Submit your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service." So, if he's called you, he's looking for you to submit your life, your body, a living sacrifice so he can use you for the purpose in which he called you. And he didn't call everybody to do the same things. You know, that's another thing. People, well, he should have been doing this or he should have been doing this. You don't know what God called him to do, but you know it was God when you look at the results. You look at what happened, what was accomplished in a short time. And he knew it wasn't money because I think it was about $54,000, $55,000 that he got for that Nobel Peace Prize, which in 1964, I think, or whatever, I think it was 64 that he received that Nobel Peace Prize. I'm not sure. But he took the money and put it back into the movement. Yeah. He didn't put it in his pocket. He wasn't trying to, you know what I'm saying, use, he, he put that Nobel Peace, Peace Prize money, he put it back into the movement uh, that he was leading. And so, uh, obviously, money wasn't his motivation to do what he did. It was really for the betterment of mankind. So going out cleaning up some yards and going out picking up some paper or, or whatnot, and you know, in the name of make a day on, not a day off. No, no, let's go out and change the inequities. Let's change, you know, the problems that we know exist. Let's let's abate the problem with the homeless. Let's let's deal with the dope addicts. Let's deal with problems that we have that we've had for too long. So you're suggesting that this, while we're going to mark and celebrate Martin Luther King Day on Monday should not be a one-off. We took some time, we did a few nice things, and then go back to living the way we've always lived, ignoring the way we've always ignored, being cold-hearted the way we've always been cold-hearted, but rather to look at it as a permanent change of heart, a permanent change of attitude in the relationship to the way we see the world around us. Because if anybody's had a calling, you know that that's not just a... you pick up the phone and that's it for one day that's a lifetime commitment <laughs> that's absolutely it? correct yes sir and so and so that's why we want to have this parade 
in honor of Martin Luther King. No one is doing it that I know in the city of Oakland. And I think it's sad, you know, to think that this man has done all he's done for civil rights and social justice and all of that. But above all that, the man need to be honored for the fact that his accomplishments, to me, was so great. And even more so, to, to look at that and say, as he's honored, let's be copycats. Right. That's That's where I'm coming from. That's Let's exactly. be copycats that's, that's, and say, not just pay homage to what he did, but to say, what can we learn from what he did? Otherwise, you could say, well, I'm going to read Scripture, right. but if you don't live it out, if you don't act it out, if you don't put it to work in your life, then it's just a bunch of nice stories about Jesus. That's absolutely true. And so many people are hurting now. So many people are living in fear. So many people are living in poverty. So many people are struggling, trying to get along, trying to live it's so much work that the Christian church could really be doing a whole lot more than what you see because we could abate a lot of these problems. I'm, I'm the kind of person that believes there's no problem that doesn't have a solution. And I believe through the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have a solution for he will give you the solution if you'd be willing to do it. You know what I'm saying? It's especially to make life better for somebody else. And, and clearly, even as we heard in that excerpt of his sermon and you read the passage, clearly for Jesus... This notion of a cup of cold water in his name, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting those that are in jail, Correct. ministering to those that are sick, yes. addressing those kinds of felt needs were very high priorities for the Lord because it's not only a manner through which he can work through us to demonstrate his love and care and compassion. I always found it fascinating whenever you look at any of his major sermons, they almost without exception always proceeded with feeding 5,000, meeting felt needs, healing the sick, bringing sight to the blind, the lame walking again, all meeting felt needs. And then he'd say, okay, now that I've addressed your felt needs, let's talk about your spiritual deficiency. Let me tell you why I am here, what I came to do. So the church has a huge responsibility, not only in keeping with his desires, visit the sick, visit those in jail, feed the hungry, down through the list. But as we do so, understand the greater impact, the greater effect is that we might be efficient witnesses of him to others. And I get frustrated sometimes when the church says, well, we can all this social justice, you all want to go build a house. Why? Don't we need to just go preach him John 3.16, get him saved, and move on to the next one? And I suppose that's one approach. But it's not altogether a biblical approach, is it? No, and it's not all always, you know, the the answer for everything. I mean, it's a perfect start for everything. Mm-hmm. But then what do you do after that? And that after that is what I'd be interested in. Jesus well, loves you. I'm sorry you're hungry. Right. I'm sorry you're sick. I wish I could do something for you, but God bless. Well, the Bible ah. says when you see your brother or sister have a need and you're able to do something about it, but you shut up your bowels of compassion uh, you know, and don't help them. He said, how dwelleth the love of God in you? Mm-hmm. You don't really have the love of God in you if you're not really helping people. And there's so many people you can help every day, which is why I think the march, the, I can't call it a march. City of Oakland won't let me call it a march on the 20th of January, but I have to call it a parade. So we're having a parade in honor of Dr. Martin Luther King because he didn't just sit around the church, which he could have. He didn't just preach in the pulpit, which he could have. 
But he came out into the street. And it's time for the church to come out into the street. It's so many problems out there that we could work on, that we could be helping to abate through the grace of God. And I'm telling you, that's what Dr. Martin Luther King did. And what I would love to see is the church coming together. I would love everyone that's listening to this car, whether I mean listening to this program, whether you're in your car, whether you're upstairs, your bedroom, downstairs, your living room, wherever you are listening to the broadcast, I would, if you're really a Christian, if you're really born again, if you really have the Holy Spirit of God, that you would come out and help us celebrate this great man of God and the legacy that he left because this man epitomized what Christianity is really all about. I think even to the point, and I hate to be redundant, but even to the point of giving his life for for trying to make it better for everybody else. And there really God needs Almighty. to be a quickening of an understanding of the kind of example that is set. Again, the Pauline, follow me as I follow Christ. Yes. And uh, that's something that I think, you know, we, we ought to really, uh, the Bible says, take account and uh, we're here in January, and it's not unusual for people in New Year's resolutions to take account of where they're at in their life and, and what the last year looked like and their hopes and dreams for the new year. And so much of that, so much of that is more than making sure you go to the gym five days a week or cutting back on eating too many cookies and ice cream for dinner or for dessert. But instead, it's about how much you are willing to surrender your life to him how deeply immersed in Scripture you're willing to be, how committed you are of your time in, in engaged in fellowship, and the level at which you're willing to be obedient to his calling, whatever that might be. Yes, absolutely true. So, so I'm back on Monday again. <laughs> if I can get everyone that's listening to the broadcast to come out to Verdi's Carter Park, 98th and Bancroft in the city of Oakland. We're going to gather there at 9.30 in the morning, and that's the day we're celebrating. His birthday is actually the 15th, but we're celebrating it on the 20th. That's the holiday, and so instead of sitting home or barbecuing or whatever you had planned for the 20th, come out and let's celebrate this man of God. Let's celebrate the legacy that he left and the good things that he did. Let's celebrate, and at 9.30 we're going to gather at Verdi's Carter Park and we're going to march around a section of Oakland. I'm telling you, I can't say march. We're going to parade around a section of Oakland, and we're going to be praying while we're going around those areas because those areas have all kind of things going on in them that I know, you know, those people are going to be relieved when we go out there praying. Break around some strongholds. That. We're going to break some. Mm-hmm. That's it. We're going to break strongholds. And then we're coming back to Verdi's Carter Park where we have a program set up, and we're going to, we have uh, Pastor Mark Clifton from the East Oakland Church of God in Christ. He can he can he can say those speeches that Dr. King spoke, and he can sound. When you close your eyes, you would think Dr. Martin Luther King was actually standing there. He he can throw his voice to sound exactly wow. like him, and he can quote the speak the speeches verbatim. He's our featured keynote speaker. He's going to be actually giving those speeches wow. that he did. And then we've got the choir singing. We've got the band playing. We've got food to give. We've got things for the kids, fun. And the, uh, the black cowboys are bringing their horses and their ponies, and they're going to let the kids have pony rides out there at the park. And uh, and it's it's just going to be a great Sounds gathering like it's coming be together. A, a, a fun fun day, and uh, and again an opportunity to not only 
um, celebrate, but to learn about and hopefully imitate um, the life in whatever it is God has called you to do, the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Again, this MLK Day Parade and Celebration Monday, this coming Monday, January the 20th, It'll run from 9.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. there at Verdice Carter Park. That's at the intersection of 98th and Bancroft in Oakland. And uh, we'll tell you more about it in a moment. Let's uh, take a quick time out here, shall we? Get you updated on some traffic. We'll do that right now from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back. Our conversation, Bishop Bob Jackson with us tonight in studio, senior pastor, founder of Axeful Gospel Church in Oakland, ministry and details on the web at axefullgospel.org. If you're new to the Bay Area, you're looking for a vibrant, dynamic church home that's got some pretty decent preaching, too, I might say, you can check them out online, axefullgospel.org. That's axefullgospel.org. Dot O-R-G. We are talking about Martin Luther King Day, which, of course, is coming up on Monday, and a lot of folks see that as, uh, well, my first official holiday of the New Year, aside from uh, New Year's Day, and they, they take the day off. We're trying to sort of shift the emphasis um, to talk about this is not just the incredible contributions that Dr. King made to the civil rights movement, but most importantly, the fact that there's a vacuum today that we as the church need to respond. Now, is that to say that you need to you know, become the next Martin Luther King? Well, maybe. On the other hand, it may simply be blooming where you are planted, responding to the call that God has put on your life for whatever that is, to do your best and be your best on behalf of the gospel so that we can impact the world around us. And, you know, if anything... Bishop Jackson, we look at what's going on in the headline news. We look at what's happening here in the Bay Area. People are getting killed because they're just people are wanting to steal a laptop. A laptop. Absolutely. I, home invasion robberies. Right. I mean, the, the, the amount of angst and anger that is out there in society today. And, yeah, we can point fingers politically. We can point fingers economically. We've got a big, you know... Income boom here in California, yeah, and the highest housing prices anywhere in the nation. So there's always that one juxtaposed against the other. The, the you know the silver lining you know ends up getting corroded because of, of of the blackness of the cloud. At the end of the day, if we want to change the world around us, we need to see hearts changed. Absolutely, and that's what salvation is all about, and that's what we're supposed to be doing now. Everybody that's saved. Everybody that's born again, everyone that's received the Spirit of God, to me, they have a responsibility to lead sinners to the Lord Jesus Christ because that's the answer for sinners. I know it was the answer for me, and I argue with Paul all the time about, he said he was a chief sinner. I said, no, 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 you were a Boy Scout because I was a chief (laughs) sinner, okay? And I know that the Lord Jesus saved sinners because he saved me. But the rest of the world, I don't think, know that. And so the church has a responsibility to share the Lord Jesus with everybody because God wants everybody to be saved. Is this a failure of us to really truly understand what discipleship is? And I ask that question because I think of the core 
definition. Christ never said go out and make you know raise up Christians. He said go out and make disciples. Well, a disciple is a very specific job. So if we're all to be his disciples, in that job description, so to speak, is sharing our faith with others, is reaching others for Christ, is then leading them through what it means for them to be a follower of Jesus. So I would wonder if maybe part of the failure here and one of the reasons why we see all these failures going on around us politically, morally, and otherwise is that there is a fundamental disconnect of the church truly understanding that we are called to not be Christians per se, but we are called to be disciples. And that's absolutely true. And we're not being discipled. That's one thing. A lot of the preachers are preaching all kinds of things now, certainly not preaching the gospel. They're not preaching the de- You know when the gospel is really preached, Craig? During the whole year, I mean, really preached by Easter the church. Easter Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. <laughs> it's Easter. And that. I always wondered, Lord, why are the churches all full on Easter Sunday and the Sunday before and the Sunday after, they're, they're not full. And you don't even have to advertise for people to come to church on Easter Sunday. And the Lord said, the reason for it is because that's the only day that we all preach the gospel. And so I thought about it. That's what we're supposed to be preaching, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he came, I, he said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Craig, we're living in a world, in a society now, where people are lost. I mean, confused, mental problems are so bad now. People are mental problems and spiritual problems. And they're mixing spiritual problems and mental problems together. You know, but the answer to all the problems is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church, for some reason, will talk about everything but salvation and trying to go out and help somebody get saved. I, I can't I, understand that. I got a survey the other day um, talking about the upcoming election and what should be some of the top priorities to be addressed by the candidates. And, uh, of course, one of the issues is, you know, what, what, what do you think about America's opioid problem? And I thought, you know, at the end of the day, America doesn't have an opioid problem. And let me hasten to clarify that statement. Um Opioid abuse, like alcoholism, like like any other vice in that sense, cannabis, it, it's a symptom. Come on, of a problem. Yes, sir. Uh, it, we could simplify this and say, well, if you have an opioid problem, you're using too much opioids. Then just you know, don't take so many pills. Uh, but clearly, that's not an answer because if that were an answer, we wouldn't have an opioid problem. The opioid problem is a symptom of the deeper issue here, and the deeper issue is people trying to live healthy, successful, happy, fulfilled lives, joyful lives, absent of a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's absolutely true, and you just can't do it. You just can't do it. You can't find peace. You can't find joy. You can't find success, I believe, except you receive him. And the Lord told Nicodemus, and I love that third chapter of John. We mostly go to John 3.16, but I love when that conversation with the Lord had with Nicodemus. He said, except you're born again. He said, you can't even see the kingdom of God. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again. We don't even talk about being born again anymore. But, Greg, before you can disciple somebody, 
you got to get them born again. So for them to receive the Lord Jesus Christ in their heart, that's where that born again process comes in. And I know because I know what manner of man I was, and I know what manner of man I am today. And I'm telling you, it took a miracle to get me from where I was to where I am right now. And that miracle worker is the Lord Jesus Christ. When I accepted him, he changed everything. He took drugs out of my mouth. He took cigarette smoking. He took sex. He took all of those pornography all of those things that I was hung up with he delivered me from it all and to my point in saying it is we don't have an opiate problem we don't have a cannabis problem we don't have a, a, a drug problem we have a sin problem yeah, we have a sin problem we have a sin problem okay and like you said those things are just symptoms but the real thing the problem is sin and the Lord Jesus came into the world for one reason that the world might be saved through him and that's the message that the church ought to be preaching and going out and sharing the gospel, there's a, there's a statistic I was reading not long ago. It says 86% of people would go that who are not church, who don't go to church, would go to church if somebody from that church would invite them to the church. Wow. 86%. Wow. And so when you look at churches today, they say the church is not relevant anymore. The churches are dying. People are not going to church anymore. People are not going to church anymore because people are not inviting them who go to those churches. They're not inviting them, other people, sinful people. Some people act like they don't want any sinners in their church. Well, you know, you know it, it's, it's logical. How will they hear unless there's a preacher? That's what the right? Word of God says. So the point of it is the church has to... I was listening to Rabbi Snyder the other day. I love that guy, Rabbi Snyder. And he preaches. He's a Jewish uh, rabbi, but he preaches the Lord Jesus. I'm telling you, powerful. But what he said was he was, he was talking about the condition of the people and the condition of the hearts. And he said, the church, need, we need to go back to the basics. Because the basics are not being taught or being preached anymore. What is the basic? Repent of your sins and re- and receive the Lord Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior, and get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if that's discipling, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying is missing. Yeah, Listen. and ironically, if you look at if you look at the Reformation, if you look at more recently Azusa Street, if you look at any great revival that's happened within the church, they've always been predicated on very basic preaching on sin, salvation, sanctification. Doesn't get involved in all this other stuff. Give God a thousand dollars seed money; He'll give you ten overfold or blessings. We tend to so overcomplicate. And or we turn church into a uh, if it's not a get rich quick scheme, we turn it into the feel good society, where we really learn no more substance than any motivation speaker would have that's on any teaching circuit before any corporation in America today. Oh, you preaching now? <laughs> what we suffer from is a lack of fundamental preaching of sin, salvation, sanctification. I mean, that at the core is the gospel message. We are sinners separated from God by sin. That's correct. We are in need of salvation provided through the work that Christ did on the cross. Once having repented and received that salvation, God then begins the process called sanctification. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And it goes on for a lifetime till he says, you've graduated, time to come Come home. home. Yes. And, you know, we're, we're, we're all in that process and that distraction that we've it. allowed the enemy to put before us. Yes. Even coming to this core of, of the issue we were talking earlier about social justice, 
Well, we're not doing it the way we used to because we're not burdened by it the way we used to because we're not sanctified the way we used to because we don't understand sin in our life the way we used to. We don't have a relationship with the Savior the way we used to. So all of it comes back full circle to our lives bear out based on the kind of relationship we have with Christ. And I'm going to tell you something else. Based just on what you said, relationships even with marriage, relationships with, with even with siblings, with brothers and sisters, relationship, period, relationships, period, are not like they used to be either. They don't have, I mean, you just don't, people are now, they, they're not even really into relationships. Is, is it fair to say, Pastor, and, and, and you have a massive congregation, you counsel folks all the time, is right. it fair to say that if a couple comes to you and the wife says, I'm having problems with my husband, the husband says, I'm having issues with my wife, or we're having problems with our kids, do you find a common denominator being that if they come and complain about a relationship on the horizontal that that usually denotes a problem with the relationship on the vertical? It's absolutely true. I mean, you listen, marriage is an institution that was instituted by God, okay? So he's the third party of the marriage. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have him in the mix, he says a two-fold cord is, I mean, what is this? He says two, two, two is better than one. And a threefold cord is hard to break. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it from that perspective, a husband and a wife coming together, that's one thing. But a third person to that relationship is the Lord Jesus himself. So before you can have a right relationship with anybody, watch this, including yourself, you've got to have a right relationship with the Savior, with the Lord Jesus. And so it starts with that. Once you have a right relationship with him, then you can have a right relationship with yourself, a right relationship with your wife, your husband, your friends, your siblings. You have right relationship after that. So and this is why he warns against being unequally yoked. That's exactly Because right. when you're unequally yoked, you don't have... God, if God is not there to bond you to him, right. then there's no way that you can be properly bonded to your spouse. I believe it. And so every time I counsel, I, the first thing I do is ask, are you a Christian? Are you? Usually somebody is not a Christian. Somebody is not really sold out to the Lord, not really living according to the Word of God. You mentioned sanctification a while ago, not really sanctified in their flesh, doing all kind of carnal things, okay, sinful things. And the point of it is, you're not going to get that relationship right like that. And then you're blaming each other, you know, for the problems. But when you can stop, and this is what I do, I just say, stop, let's take a look at where you are in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as soon as they examine, no, I'm not praying like I should. I don't read my Bible. I don't even come to church like I should. You know what I'm saying? When they start getting that relationship lined up with the Lord yeah, Jesus. Get that horizontal fixed and the vertical fixed and the horizontal get, will take care of itself practically. Get that vertical fixed. That horizontal will take care of itself mm-hmm. every time. Because he's the glue, like you mentioned a while ago. He's the glue that holds marriages together. We have the same divorce rate in the church now yeah. that they have in the secular world. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, isn't that telling? Isn't be- that telling? I can't believe it. So what does it mean? It means to me somebody in that church is not born again. Somebody in that church is not really living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody in that church is not really filled with the Holy Spirit because it's impossible for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, your wife to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you two can't get along. Can't talk to one another. Can't cannot even have a decent conversation in your home. And both of you are saved and filled with God's Holy Spirit. Impossible. It's impossible. 
We're in studio today with Bishop Bob Jackson, Senior Pastor of Axville Gospel Church in Oakland. The special event we've talked about, Martin Luther King Day Parade and Celebration, Monday, January the 20th. It'll begin at 9.30 a.m. there at Verdice Carter Park. That's located at the intersection of 98th and Bancroft in Oakland. Begins at 9.30 a.m. and will run through 2 o'clock that afternoon. There'll be all kinds of games and treats for the kids and... um, Wonderful inspiration for everybody and and a good chance to come out and, and not just mark the day, celebrate the day, but hopefully at the same token, walk away with a greater sense of inspiration of the possible and what that means when you're obedient and maybe even to use this as a great springboard, that, that starting point for your own life to ask the Lord, what would you have of me? How can I respond to the calling, and then in doing so and being obedient to that calling, be used of you to change the world around us. We'll take a time out. We'll come back to some closing thoughts with Bishop Bob Jackson. Right now, though, we're going to get you an update on traffic from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Bishop Bob Jackson with us today in studio, senior pastor at Axeful Gospel Church in the great city of Oakland. Details about his ministry on the web at axefullgospel.org. That's axefullgospel.org. Martin Luther King Day, of course, coming up this Monday, January the 20th. There's going to be a parade and celebration of his life that will begin at 9.30 a.m. and run until 2 p.m. at Verdice Carter Park. That's at 98th and Bancroft in the city of Oakland. And beyond just promoting this and inviting families, you've got the day off, kids are out of school, come on out, participate, be a part, um, celebrate but maybe as strong a word as we can assign along celebrate is also emulate. We talked earlier, Paul saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Right. Um, to see the motivation, the passion for, and we heard it even in his, his, uh, his sermon, the drum major instinct, uh, that would be, we would be known, and, and, and wouldn't we pray, God, it should be on the epitaph of all of us, it should be part of the the the, the uh, memorialization when any of us die, that we were someone who visited those who were in prison, who loved the Lord, who did justice, promoted peace, promoted righteousness, served, loved, tried to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those in prison, and that in the end. God would find our living not in vain, but that we would be found faithful in serving him, and most importantly, as Dr. King said, in disseminating the message of salvation. That's the job of all of us. You know, that's the job of all of us, and if we could walk away from this assembly uh, January 20th out there at Verdes Carter Park, if we could walk away with what you just said in our hearts, to really want to do something positive to make a difference in this world and make a difference in the lives of the people, which we do have an opportunity to do, then everything is worth it. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm struck, Bishop Jackson, by the notion that if we go with an open heart 
and are willing to surrender ourselves to him more fully. Yes. It can be a life-changing experience for us. Yes. And as God changes our life, it cannot but impact the way we think, feel, engage, pray, and and react, and ultimately then impact and change lives around us, through us, and because of us. And I mean, ultimately, that was not only Dr. King's prayer. Shouldn't that be the prayer of all of us? It should be. To say, you know, at the end, when when they lower me into the ground, did it matter? Did, did my existence here on earth, did I, did I make a difference? Was in my any living way? in vain? Was my living in vain? <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good question. And, and you know, that's not only a question we should ask of ourselves, but I'm compelled to say that that's going to be the first question we're going to be asked when we meet him in the air. He's going to say, judgment now begins. Here you are. Tell me, did you live for me or was your living in vain? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. See, it not matter whether or not we have an answer to give to how Bob Jackson or Craig Roberts or anybody else acted because ultimately we're going to have to give an account to the only one whose scrutiny and judgment we cannot bypass or walk away from. You know, you can come home at the hard day at work and the wife asks you a question and you can turn on your heel and say, I'm tired, been a long day, I don't be bothered with it, I'm going to go watch TV. You can, you can avoid those kinds of questions. Was your day a day that was fruitful or was it one in vain? But when God standing right across from you on the day of judgment and asks that question, we're all, each and every one of us, going to be called to give an account and give an answer to that question, aren't we? I do believe that. And uh, wow. a lot of the works that we've done are going to burn up. Mm-hmm. They're going to be burned up, the Bible says. And I, I just believe there's a difference between church work and the work of the church. I think a lot of people are caught up with church work. You know what I'm saying? I sing in the choir. I'm on the deacon board. I'm on the usher board. I do this. I work in the church. I'm sure the Lord's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's church work. But the work of the church starts when you come out of church and you come into the world where the people are, where the people are hurting, where the people are hungry, where the people are, like you say, in jail and whatnot, like that 25th chapter of Matthew talked about. And the Lord said, when you've done it to the least of one of these my, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Wow, just think about that. When you helped other people and you helped them to do better and you helped them to get on their feet and you feed them and you clothe them and you go to the prisons and you visit them and you do all those things for them. The Lord Jesus says, you weren't just doing that for them. You've done it as unto me. Well, and, and let's face My it, God. Sunday morning is doing church, you know. We yeah. we we get there at a certain time. Right. We sing a few hymns. We right. participate in the offering. Right. We listen to a sermon. We shake pastor's hand on the way out the door. You get this every Sunday. Great message, pastor. Right. We've done church. We've done church. And we've but, given God all we need to give him. That's it. That's we've it. served him. And, and, and we expect change back. The we, minute we leave the doors, though... He wants us to not do church. He wants us to be the church. That's correct. Maybe there's where a fundamental disconnect is. We're so caught up in doing church that we forget what it is to really be the church and what it means to be that influence, that disciple maker, that influencer, that that world changer around us, much similar to the the life that we've been talking about in that of Dr. Martin Luther King and and the everlasting legacy that he has left. 
We talked off the air, Bishop Bob. I mentioned this for the benefit of listeners. 2020 marks the 100th anniversary of the suffragette movement. That means women got the vote for the first time just 100 years ago in America today. And it wasn't until the passage of the Voting Rights Act and the 1964 Civil Rights Act did African Americans in this country get the right to participate in the government of their own countries, their own country. Imagine that. Barely a half century ago, and in the lifetime of most of us listening right now, did that happen. And that happened because Martin Luther King was not doing church. He was being the church. And maybe that's the most important lesson for all of us, isn't it? Man, I'm telling you, I'm I'm ready to scream because what a legacy. I mean, that's the part that I want to be lifted up when we come to the program in the park. I want people to know that and understand this man was a Christian. This man was a Baptist pastor. You know what I'm saying? And he had biblical principles that he stood by, that he lived and he demonstrated, and we can see the evidence, so much so that he's the only African-American man in the history of America that, that's got a national holiday attached to his name. He's the only one. There are some eavesdropping on our conversation tonight, Bishop Jackson, that did not hear the sermon clips, and unfortunately time won't allow, although I would recommend you go back and listen to the start of our conversation in the podcast so you can hear the sermon clip of Dr. Martin Luther King preaching the Drum Major Instinct sermon from February 4th of 1968, 60 days to the day prior to his untimely death, his assassination in Memphis. 39 years old, Craig. 39 years old, wow. My Lord. And in that sermon, he says, the day will come I will no longer be here. Yes. And when that day comes... And you find somebody to preach my eulogy, do not say that I was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. Do not say that I was somebody famous. Do not say that I had riches and wealth. Do not speak of any of the shallow things. Ironically, all that we count as riches, right? Power, authority, position, big car, big house, all of that, big bank account. He called all those shallow things. And he said, rather that you might find that my living was not in vain because I endeavored to serve, to love, to try and feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those in prison, to do justice, promote peace and righteousness. And, boy, we ought to all be really, particularly the start of a new year here and and signified by new beginnings, really be convicted by Dr. King's words Is that our own heartbeat? And so Pastor Mark Clifton, that's the keynote speaker out at at the program, when we have the program coming back from the parade, he's going to be able to, he's going to recite those speeches. I'm not sure if he's going to recite that one in particular. I know he does, I have a dream. He does that speech. But he, he can recite just about every one of them. And like I said, if you close your eyes, you could really believe that Dr. Martin Luther King was standing there. He, his voice and everything, his, his, I mean, the punctuations All and the everything. All the intonation, yeah, he's got the it down. intonation, he's got it down perfectly. And so to me, that just, I mean, it just, you, you just get chills from listening to him and, and thinking that, Boy, this sounds just like Dr. Martin Luther King, and he's going to be reciting those speeches at the park, and that's going to be phenomenal. He's done it for several years with us, and uh, I'm just believing God that it's going to just have such an impact 
on the crowd that when they leave that that program, when they leave the program for Martin Luther King, they're going to leave there with a commitment to say, you know what, I can do more, I can do better, I can help somebody. And I think, Bishop Jackson, and I don't want to go to meddling here, but I'm going to say it. I think, too, that it's important that believers across the Bay Area not look at this as, well, I'm going to come out and help, watch my wording here, help my fellow African-American brothers and sisters in Christ celebrate Martin Luther King Day, like you're doing a favor for somebody. Like, oh, my neighbors just had a new baby. I'm going to go over there and attend the shower and help them celebrate. This needs to be something personal. This needs to be something that you that you do and you're burdened by and you respond to. We talked earlier about that relationship, the impact of the horizontal, vertical relationship with God and what it means for the significance of a healthy vertical relationship with your spouse, that this would be a case where you do it not because you want to help somebody else celebrate or help somebody else mark an important day, but because for you as a person, you look at this individual, in the case of Martin Luther King, and say, I wish to emulate what he did in the spirit of what Paul said when he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Would you agree? I certainly would. I I think you summed it up, uh, Craig. You hit the nail on the head, and I just think if we can walk away from that program with that in our heart, I guarantee you we can make this world a better place. I think it's the church that has the answer to everything that you see in this world right now that's messed up, that's torn up, that's, that's you know, the killings, the, the everything you see. I think the church has the answer, but we're not giving it out. We're not letting people know. You know, what the real answer is to the problems that we see in our world today. The antidote to sin is a relationship with him. It's salvation. I I guarantee it. Bishop Bob Jackson, senior pastor at Axeville Gospel Church in Oakland. Again, the event, the Martin Luther King Day Parade and Celebration this coming Monday, January the 20th, 9.30 a.m. to 2 p.m., 98th and Bancroft at Verdice Carter Park in the city of Oakland, marking the 52nd um, anniversary, his passing, of course, in April, and, uh, and celebrating Dr. Martin Luther King's life, legacy, and most importantly, the example that he sets for all of us. Bishop Jackson, always a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us. Thank you so much, Greg. It's always just a pleasure going to put a you. wrap on things. We're going to uh, head you out of town here, and uh, thank you so much for being with us on this edition of Lifeline. Back tomorrow at 5 p.m. for more of the program. Till then, be sure and catch the reprise of all of this. Share the podcast, kfax.com. I'm Craig Roberts for our producer, Wanda Sanchez. Joel Rivera, my engineer. Remember, till next time, don't just keep the faith. Get on out there and share it. Make it a great day. Till next time, so long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.